What is up, Bridge Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bridge Runners Live. On this episode, we sat down with Ellie Pell, a fantastic runner from the East Coast. She's an absolute beast. At the beginning of the episode, there's about a minute of where the audio got lost due to the Zoom app restarting. So just bear through with that. It's just right at the beginning, and then after that, it's smooth sailing. So hope you enjoy. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for another Ridge Runners live show. Uh, this time on a Sunday. I barely know what day of the week it is anyway nowadays, and so this should just be interesting to say the least. Tonight we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, she's been crushing East Coast races. She has a bunch of other projects she's been working on as well on the East Coast, highlighting other races on the East Coast and just scene in general. Uh, Ellie Pell from Ithaca, New York. How, How are, are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we were super excited when you said you'd come on and do this with us. I was really excited you uh, asked me. I uh, watched a bunch of your shows away from the city. So I live in a town called Ithaca, New York. Um, jokingly, it's called 10 Square Miles Surrounded by Reality. We are a very liberal, hippie, crunchy town surrounded by a lot of other things that aren't as liberal, hippie, and crunchy. And I love it here. It's great. Um, if anybody's ever heard of the Cuga Trails 50 miler, which um, served as the 50 mile trail championships for a couple years, uh, that's right here in my hometown. Those are my home trails. So um, that's what I train on when I train on the trails. Um, I've been training on the roads for the past almost two years, but uh, still dipping my toe into the ultra world because I do love trails and I do like ultras when I have the chance to do them. But um, my day job is I manage um, College Town Bagels, one of the branches in this town. And it's one of the, it's probably the most popular, well-known sandwich and bagel shop in Ithaca and around us. Um, and then I have started the past couple months working for, for the Trails Collective, which was started by my running mentor, Ian Golden, out of, he also owns the Finger Lakes Running Store and Red Newt Racing, the racing team that I run for. Uh, and that what that's been really really exciting. It's a uh, East Coast and the Virginia's trail running or Northeast Coast and tr and the Virginia's trail running resource for just all of our beautiful trails up here for local runners, for meetups, for gear reviews, and we really just our goal is to sort of um, bring more attention to the uh, East Coast, which yours is as well, which is what we're all here to do. So I'm doing those two things. I have a podcast with my friend Chris called Hamstrings and Heartstrings. And um, yeah, that's about it. But it's it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've been said you've been focusing on the roads, but you do obviously have a lot of experience on the trails as well. And you've been very successful on the trails recently. Before we get into your success on the trails recently, uh, let's talk about your first run. How did you get into running? Uh, what was the first run like and how did it kind of shape you into who you are today as a runner? So I really started running about seven or eight years ago. Um, I was on the track team in high school, but it was my, I graduated with a class of 54 people. And so it was really glorified babysitting. I jokingly say, I joined the team because I wasn't allowed to hang out with my boyfriend outside of anything. So I joined the team because he was on it too. Um, 
And so it was kind of fun, but like I, I can, I, another thing I jokingly say is that I can run a marathon at a faster pace than I ran my 800 meters in high school. So that's how much I cared. And, um, but when I moved to Ithaca, I sort of started running just because it was free and it gave me something to do and I didn't know anybody and had no friends. So that was really why I started doing it. And then I met Ian and got connected with the local runners and I just, they welcomed me into their community and it just felt like something that I love to start my day with a run. And so it's quickly became, you know, when you encouragement for your habits, they become more ingrained. So I just kept doing it and it's been, it's life changing. For sure. And kind of like diving into that progression. I mean, the fact that your marathon pace is faster than your 800 pace in high school, that's kind of uh, crazy to think about now. Um, how did you think you got to that point? Um, like, what was the progression like leading up to that? Obviously, um, people around you were supporting you and you kind of found your group there. But uh, what was your training like? So to train for the Buffalo Marathon. So I really I've run four marathons now. Uh, the Buffalo Marathon twice, which Buffalo, New York, people probably know what that is. And um, then I've run the Hartford Marathon, which is in Connecticut, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. Yes. No. Yes, Connecticut. And <laughs> sorry, brain fart. And that's where I qualified for the Olympic trials. And then I ran the trials. So four marathons. The first time I ran the Buffalo Marathon was in 2016, and I don't remember too much about training for that. I know I trained like substantially hard, and um, I ran a 2:53 high. Um, but yeah, I know that I trained, but it was a little bit different than what I'm doing now. Uh, the second go around, and then I dipped my toe into ultras for two years, and I didn't really do much. I did a little couple races on the road, but mostly ultras. And then, um, I decided, uh, in, at the end of 2018 to, uh, start again and just go back on the roads, try to get a little bit more speed. And I trained for the Buffalo marathon again, and I ended up winning it. And I followed a plan with a two forty seven, and I followed a plan just out of a book by, um, Brad Hudson run faster and met Fitzgerald. And that really just showed me I because I read the book and then I picked the advanced marathon plan because you know, why not? And um, that just really showed me kind of how to structure a training week and just the the point of doing certain workouts when and running your easy days easy. And then, you know, you have two workouts and a long run or like you might have some strides during your long run or just doing things that help develop speed, even if they're annoying, like nobody likes to do six hill sprints at the end of your easy run. But I do them every time because I don't have the background of speed that would be developed in high school. So it made me understand those things. And when you under, I feel for me in my brain, when I understand things, I'm more likely to do them. So I ran a 247. And, um, my two, two training partners, women that I just ran with occasionally when building up for Buffalo, I still mostly ran alone. Now I run alone because of quarantine, but they were just like, you're only two minutes or th I was three, two minutes away from the standard, which is 245 to qualify for the marathon, the Olympic trials. That's the B standard. And they were like, we're training for another marathon. Why don't you just 
train with us. And I had planned to go and actually back and do more ultras after Buffalo, but I was so close and they were just like, come on, come on. We want you to run with us. And so, yeah, you know, it it was exhilarating and I was having a lot of fun. And that's all I remember about Hartford. Like the buildup was just, I had so much fun. And now, um, I don't build my own training plan. I go off of their coach, my training partner's coach. He knows about me. I've met him and he like he's wonderful. And if I ever have a question, I email him. But obviously, sometimes when I run a random 50K on the weekend, that's not exactly in the plan. Um, so I like the freedom that I have right now and not having to discuss my choices with anybody. Um, and yeah, so training for Hartford, what we would basically do is I called it, I would meet them at the track on Tuesday and chase them around the track and try and, and just try to hang with them. And then on Saturday, same thing. And then we do a long run on Sunday and, um, I wasn't always successful chasing them. I remember a couple epic blowups, but, um, for the most part, I just kept showing up. That was my like, I think Des Linden says that, like, just keep showing up. And the worst you can do is like, get out, get gassed out of breath on the side of the track. And that kind of looks epic sometimes. So, you know, um, and just give myself a chance, like with each workout to start the rep, to try to just do one. That was always in my mind, especially when I was tired, like just try one. And then, you know, it's generally, I just got more confidence and then I would just keep going, but having a training group, that was number one, the biggest thing important for me. And, um, I qualified at Hartford. So with a two forty one, and that's still my PR. So yeah, that was in a nutshell, that was the training. That's awesome. So when was the Hartford marathon? Uh, October 14th. Awesome. So 2019, um, Diving into the next marathon, I want, I'm super curious to hear about how the uh, Olympic trials qualifying marathon went for you. Um, obviously, Atlanta this past February, I believe. Uh, how was that it's experience? Like seven years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, how it feels. essentially. Uh, what was that like? What was your preparation like leading into that race? Uh, what do you remember most about going down to Atlanta and just the experience that you had there? Yeah. So I, um, for your first question, the Hartford Marathon. I ran that extremely smart, actually. Um, There were a couple women in the beginning that we all just sort of talked to each other like we all were going for the standard. So a couple of us made a pact to stay together, and we knew what splits we had to hit and um, making sure we were just – it was – I ran with somebody for the whole time, and she and I both qualified, and then we actually ended up – getting selected to be roommates at the trials. So that was kind of cool because that was really random. Um, And that race, we just ran, we made sure that we were like putting a little bit of money in the bank just in case something happened at the end. But we were trying to run conservatively smart. And uh, we we did that until about mile 20 when um, I said to the woman, Heidi, who I was running with, that we could see the next person ahead of us. And I said, I'm not ready to catch her yet. But if we still have wheels in a little bit, I think we should try to just reel her in. And she was like, okay, good idea. And it was motivating to just have someone there with you because like we were both sort of confident unless we both blew up that like we were going to get it, but we still wanted to be smart. But then um, it was about 5K to go and I could see we were catching her, 
But, and so I just told her, I'm going to go get her, come with me. And she didn't have enough gas, but she's still qualified. So it was fine. But then I just like took off. And actually my last three miles of that race were my fastest miles. They were like 550 pace. And I didn't, and I did not run 550 pace in training. Like, and so, but you know, just that motivation at the end, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes I'm in a lot of pain and if I go faster, it's over faster. And so I feel like that was the smartest race, but I felt confident and I felt ready, but also I didn't have anything to lose. So it was kind of a Mary of all those three things. And so it was, it was great. And that was Hartford. And then, um, after Hartford, I had, I signed up for JFK 50 miler, which I think that's actually where I first found you guys. I don't know how, I don't remember how, but I think after the race, you might've retweeted me or tweeted at me or something. But, um, uh, I signed up for JFK like back in August because I had a bad training run and I thought that this like marathon thing wasn't working out. So I needed like a carrot after Hartford. Cause I was just convinced that I wasn't going to get it. So like we do, I was like, why not do a 50 miler around Thanksgiving? That sounds great. So after Hartford, I had about a month and a half until JFK. And that felt like that went by in like a blink of an eye. And all of a sudden, I hadn't really been running like that much. And all of a sudden, I'm standing at the start line of a 50 miler. Like, what am I doing? And, but anyway, that it was very painful, but I finished and it ended up going very well. Um, after JFK, took off like a couple weeks. And then I just jumped back in a little bit with training with my uh, training partners, but the build up to the trials actually wasn't idyllic. It was winter is hard on my body. Um, I dealt with a little bit of niggles. I got sick once. And so the, the buildup wasn't super great, but once we got to the, the week of the trials, all of like what I had been like trying to meditate on and just like positive self-talk finally started to work. And I was just really excited to go down and be there especially with my sister, she came. And so I got to the trials in Atlanta. And yeah, so what what do you want to know specifically? Oh, the whole the whole experience the day like, obviously, you, you get to Atlanta, what's the first thing that you do when you get there? Uh, what was the starting corral? Like, what was just like the whole environment like being there? It was like what you dream of when you think of what an, an elite runner goes through at a race. Like it was that for all of us, the Atlanta track club knocked it out of the park. My sister and I have never traveled. We don't travel. And if we do go someplace, we drive. So flying to Atlanta was like the first step in this whole, like that was the first like half of the marathon. It was like, um, and so we actually, we got, to Atlanta and they had volunteers everywhere just to get, get all the athletes off the plane onto the MARTA from the MARTA. Like there was, there was tape on the sidewalk of arrows to where we had to go to get to the hotel. Like it was wonderful. They really did were just took care of everything and logistics and things like that can really stress me out and give me some anxiety because what if I don't get to the start line or like, you know, but they took care of everything. And so it really eased my, um, any like jitters I would have had. And then you're in this hotel and all of your idols are there with you. And you're like in the same realm. It's really crazy. 
And so I'd see like Kara Goucher going for a run and like it, and Ryan Hall, who is the size of a refrigerator. And you're like, is this really Ryan Hall or like Ryan Hall's brother? Like, I mean, and, um, I met some filmmakers that I had watched their films and just, they have inspired me and, and, but also my sister was there. So she was taking it all in and it was really awesome to share that with her. And my training partners were there. So just all the people that I wanted there were there and the race itself was exactly what the Atlanta track club built it as hilly windy and our roads really need some work. So watch out for the potholes. It was all three of those things, but also I was at the Olympic trials. So, and I, there was no way I was going to win. All I wanted to do was put in a very hard effort, which is exactly what I did coming off of the training cycle that I had. And so the, it was a three loop course. And the first loop was like, I can't believe I'm running with all these amazing women at this race. And I can't, there's someone's cheering for you at all times, which has never happened for me before. The second loop was the hills were starting to grind and I could see like people, there was a little bit of carnage and I could see people just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't super motivating, but also you're still half in that. Like it doesn't hurt crazy yet. And I'm at the Olympic trials. Like I really was like a child in a toy store. And then the third lap, it started to hurt. Um, and the wind really, you could feel the wind and more and more carnage, but there wasn't really anything barring injury because I don't have another chance. Like, it's not like I can be like, Oh no, I'm going to try for the track trials. Like, so, and there wasn't really anything that was going to stop me from finishing the race. And then, like I said, towards the end of races, if it, when it starts to hurt, I'm like, it's not going to hurt any less. If you go faster or keep this pace, it really doesn't. It just makes the suck. It suck longer if you go slower. So I just kept, kept up my pace and I actually finished just under the standard again. So not a PR, but it wasn't a PR course or day. So, um, it was incredible. And at the end I cried and I, it's just, yeah, still the best day of my life and of 2020. And I think it probably will be considering the trajectory that we're going. Yeah, hard to argue with that. That's uh, absolutely epic story. Um, for anyone that's watching, if you have any questions for Ellie, just drop those in the chat and we'll relay those along. I think uh, we found you because of your awesome result at JFK. Obviously, you took third there. Uh, we were down there uh, just compiling a couple like race day uh, updates for people. And obviously, when you came across the finish line, we had a photo and everything like al al along those lines too. So that was pretty epic. But yeah. Um, for for trail for people that don't know, you are really fast on the trails as well. Um, you started off your 2019 year with the Tom B trail run uh, in Ithaca. Yeah, New York. that was my last long run before the Buffalo Marathon. And you and you, I lost to my mentor Ian. <laughs> you you were the first place female, second overall there. Uh, many on like Jenny. Uh, you've won that race three times, I believe the past three yeah. years it's happened, yeah. <laughs> uh, green lakes, endurance run, Fayetteville, New York, first place, first overall there as well in the water gap, 50 K and PA. You also won that race outright, obviously. So just some crazy results, uh, in 2019 on the trails. What I don't, it's kind of crazy to think about, obviously you say you run 
roads and you train on the roads, but how do you flip the switch mentally when you do hit the trails? So I don't, I kind of think of it like, and I talked to the winter Eastern States, Wesley Atkinson, a couple of weeks ago about this because he trains primarily on the roads and Eastern States is a gnarly race. Like it's not like the, it's not JFK. That's what I'm going to say, but he also ran JFK and I only finished 10 minutes behind him. So I was like, well, <laughs> um, but really I just like running on the road and then I do a little bit of stuff on the trail and I also do a lot of strength balance and mobility work to keep my joints and things mobile and strong so that I'm able to run on more technical stuff. At least that's what I tell myself. So a lot of running on trails is confidence. So if you feel like you're going to fall, you're probably going to like clip your foot on something. Whereas like if you try to have a little bit more confidence and just like glide over things it's a little bit less likely that you're going to fall you still might fall but you know less of a chance um also i think that running on the roads mostly and then saving your races for the trails it just makes me more excited to get on the trail and race so then i'm just really happy and uh it feels like i put in a lot of work and now i get to run on like soft stuff and it actually feels better on my feet like a marathon by the end my feet are killing me but at the end of a 50 or 40 miler i'm like yeah not so bad <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's awesome that you're able to kind of switch gears as well as uh, you have, whether it's road or trail, it just doesn't matter. Just absolutely dominating races on the East coast. Uh, one thing I'd love to know is what are some of your either goal races, bucket list races, or just some epic races on the East coast that maybe you haven't done yet or are looking to do in the future? So I would actually like to try twisted branch. That is in August, so it might still happen this year. Twisted Branch, actually, I attempted it in 2018, and a multitude of factors led me to DNF. And then, actually, those factors, not the race, the race was beautiful, though those factors kind of actually propelled me to go back to the roads because I just needed a trail break. And um, But I think I have a little bit of a better understanding of trail running and also just myself that I would handle that race a lot better. So I would like to do that. If not this August, definitely next August. Um, I races in New York, uh, right? In yes. In, um, Greece, no, yes. Naples, Greece area. I mean, it's 62, four, five miles. So I mean, it goes, it goes everywhere. I mean, but, um, the, it's a very pretty race, especially for the East coast. Like we don't exactly have, the crazy amazing views that like Arizona and California have, but in this race, it's just beautiful. Some of the views. So, uh, I would really like to do that. And that's a hundred K. So that would be the farthest that I have run ever. I've ran a 50 miler and that's the farthest. Uh, it also would prove that I could run for longer than nine hours. That's currently my limit. And watching the women finish twisted branch last year i was like wow they've been running for this long oh my gosh like can we go get dinner like i haven't done anything but i'm hungry um another maybe i'd like to do uh the keys 100 lordy missioner from massachusetts has sort of sold me on that it's in florida one and two it's um it's my style i'm the east coast has a lot of very gnarly beast coast races and 
I would like to dabble in those, but I know that what I like and what I'm strong at is runnable trail and where you can run the whole time. So that's one of those type of races. Uh, Javelina hundred, that's actually in Arizona, but, um, I would love to run that. Like there's a couple hundreds that are on my radar. Um, the Badger 100, mm-hmm. uh, I, in Wisconsin, I, I have just a tunnel Hill, I uh, just, I want to pick a hundred that I'll, I'm actually going to be able to enjoy and not be frustrated that I picked something that just isn't the terrain that I really like to run on. Uh, and then biggest bucket list race though would have to be comrades. I would really like to go to South Africa and run that race. Would it make a difference whether it was an up year or a down year for you? No, because uh, I really, in order to run that race, I just know like with the finances involved and all the logistics, whenever I can get it together, that's going to be the, the year it's not gonna, like up or down does not matter. I like Hills. Um, the, like my, the most boring tri- runs to me are like my Friday where I purposely run on like a groomed pancake flat out and back trail because I'm saving my legs for Saturday the, for the workout. And it, that's just boring. So I do like Hills. Uh, so it doesn't really matter up or down. That's awesome. Uh, obviously you said you have a couple bucket list races. Uh, a couple of those are hundred milers. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Ellie has yet to do a hundred miler, but that I bet that's going to change very soon. One other distance that she hasn't covered is a 5k, uh, like an actual race for that. So what excites you most about possibly hopping in a 5k and really training for that one, one day, or just the hundred miler in general? Um, the 5k is hard and I, and training for it is hard. And I just, I've never done something that fast. And some, and part of me is like, can I even get my legs to go that fast for the training that you have to do for a 5k? And I still don't know. I mean, I'm not training for one right now, so I don't know, but I know that running fast stuff is something that's good for my body, good for my mind. And it helps me still maintain like something for ultras. So that's how I can go fast at the end of a race or still maintain some sort of like fast is relative at the end of of an ultra, but like not walk and coming from doing trails for like two years and then coming back to the road in the early, in early 2008, in late 2018, I wanted to get my speed legs back and I don't, now that I have them, I don't want to lose them. So I'm not good with just like base miles or that's actually like one more boring and two like harder on my body mentally and physically than if I do two workouts a week and keep some of those like fast twitch mile uh, fibers going. I don't even know if they would be called fast twitch because there's, it's still relative, but just some sort of just like get your heart rate up, get your legs moving fast go lactic for the last rep, you know? Um, and I look forward to those, especially if I know that it's something that I can accomplish, but it will be hard. I don't, I'm not someone that wants to like overcook myself for every workout or knock it out of the park every week, especially now during this time of, um, social distancing and no races and quarantining and, I am purposely undercooking myself because I don't want an injury or burnout or anything to happen. So I can't run. And also I don't really want to tax my immune system so that 
someone comes near me and breathes and then, you know, something bad happens. So, um, yeah, I, I like that approach for training for marathons and for ultras, obviously. And so, yeah, that's basically it. One follow-up question I'm curious about is, it's just, it sounds like you do your workouts on Saturdays and your long runs on Sundays. Uh, what do your workouts look like on Saturdays and the long runs on Sundays? That sounds exhausting. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so it can be actually, yeah. Uh, so for right now, we're mostly workouts on Saturday are some form of a tempo run, which I enjoy because whenever I don't know what workout to do or anything, if I like a tempo, like a six mile tempo is if you're running it appropriately, that's like the hardest workout, especially that last mile. Cause Oh my gosh, it's just, you don't think it's going to be that hard. And then you get to that last mile and it's all I can do to not like sacrifice myself to the geese that are right next to me. Um, so nor- yeah, for the past couple of weeks, because I've only been like back to a normal two workout long run schedule, for like three ish weeks, I've been trying to like my first tempo was like four miles and then five miles. And then the past two weeks I've tried to do six miles and, um, I know what effort I want. So it's, I, I'm trying to be pretty gassed by the end, but not like falling over gassed. Um, so that's kind of what we would do. Um, one of my training partners, Bailey, she's more, she can handle more volume. So she's doing like seven or eight miles tempo, but they could be like a broken tempo and like the paces change, but some version of a tempo run on Saturday, um, it usually ends up being like 11 ish, 12 ish miles. Um, and then on Sunday, it's usually like, like, so yesterday was a six mile tempo. And then, um, four by 20 second hard stride with like 90 seconds rest at the end. And I was like, John, that's our coach is like, what's the point of this? I don't really know. But, um, I did it anyway because he's smarter than me. And then today was just a two hour easy run. But sometimes and what I like actually is like, our long run, if they have like some surges in it, I don't necessarily want to do like a 16 mile marathon tempo run. Like that sounds very challenging. And also every time I've tried to do like long run workouts, I get a little bit either sick or just run down the whole next week. And that just doesn't work. But if you do, but for me right now, at least, um, if we do like say 50 minutes easy and then if the whole workout is like an hour and fifty, or the whole run, it's like an hour and 50 minutes. We'll do like 50 minutes easy. And then, uh, like 15 second hard stride every three minutes till the end. And it, one, it keeps me engaged and like looking at to stay on pace, but then also it's just, it kind of actually is like better for my legs in a, in a strange way than just putting tons of slow, easy distance miles on my legs. So, um, yeah, those are, two like standard things that we would do. Awesome. Yeah. Question in the chat. Corey Brown wants to know is, do you find it beneficial to run your long runs on tired legs? I, yeah, I, cause also I think that helps me for ultra running. Um, I'm not, I don't really run for like four hours in a day. I don't have time to do that right now. Uh, but running like a workout and then the next day running a long run. Sure. Uh, run, I'm, my legs obviously aren't fresh because also on the weekends I've had to work. So I'll run my long run and then I'll have to go into work for the like 
yesterday and today. Uh, so yeah, my legs are pretty toasty right now, but luckily tomorrow is like a pretty easy, easy day. So I think it has helped me, especially maintaining, um, some sort of fitness for ultras as well. Yeah. Tom O has a quick follow-up. Do you ever do back-to-back long runs? I haven't in a very long time. Um, no, I, I, and I, and I would rather, I think for me and my body, at least right now, I like doing, and I respond better to doing a workout on Saturday and then a long run on Sunday. Um, or if, if we do combine a long run and a workout, that'll be on Saturday and then Sunday will be off. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've never personally, uh, I don't know if I've never heard of it or never really thought about doing a workout before the long run. Um, I think I might try that next week just to, to give it a go myself. I won't be anywhere as fast. I'm sure you're doing it, but uh, it's all about effort. uh, Like really, I am an effort based runner. I don't keep track of splits very often. Like yesterday it was just supposed to be a progressive tempo. So just get faster at the end. And so that's what I tried to do, but yeah, I mean, just an effort-based tempo is like, that's great because you never know how your body's going to feel. And also like, what if you think you're at like, I don't know, 630 pace and then your first mile is like 645. Really your body could just be warming up into the pace and eventually you'll hit like six minutes or something even faster. But like, if you see that 645, then you already feel defeated. And so, you know, at least that's how my mind goes. Um, So yeah, it's more effort for me. I I like effort. I love hill workouts because that's all effort. Yeah. Like 550 pace hills. Like, who are you? (laughs) Those are great insights. Uh, Shifting gears here. I want to learn a little bit more about your Red Newt racing team and kind of what that's all about. Like who who else is on it? What's it like to kind of be a part of that or everything that goes on with that? Sure. Uh, Red Newt Racing is the racing team company started by Ian, my mentor from Finger Lakes Running and Trails Collective. And he started it, I want to say like five or six years ago now, probably more than that. But I was introduced to it five or six years ago. And initially it was like, there was just a trail team and I was on the trail team for when, uh, in the beginning, but I felt like it wasn't quite right for me because I wasn't really running that many trails at that point. So I was sort of on it, but then I sort of just took a break from it. Not any, no hard feelings, obviously. And then I got back on it, uh, a couple years ago when he wanted to start like a women's road and cross country team that didn't really end up panning out. Like they did a couple cross country meets, but I didn't really do that. I was just doing my own thing. And at that point I moved to Syracuse, New York for about six months before from Ithaca to Syracuse before moving back. And, um, I was just in a different phase of life, but I was still on the red new racing team. And so now really for the road, uh, faster stuff is me and my teammate, Chelsea, uh, we're really the only representatives that still run in red new racing gear on the roads, but the trail team is really big. And, um, I'm interviewing a lot of those athletes for the trails collective interview series and just getting to know them. They are like mountain goats. So they do stuff like scrambling and, um, escarpments and all this gnarly, gnarly stuff on the East coast. And, 
so that's really what Red Newt Racing is. It's also like puts on tra- on uh, races. So Cuyahoga Trails, like I mentioned earlier, um, Breakneck Point, that's one of the scrambling mountain races um, in Beacon, New York. Uh, they have like a Vertical K, a Whiteface Mountain, uh, Lucifer's Crossing. It's another one local here to me. But then Ian also does... Um, the gorgeous Ithaca half marathon. So there's like a flatter one. Uh, it's, it's, it's a whole, like, once I realized how much he does, I was like, how do you do all of this? Like, can I help you? I mean, but also I don't know what he wants. So, you know, uh, anyway, so Red Newt kind of has just introduced me to all these wonderful different kinds of runners. And so now I just feel blessed because I am a nerd about marathoning because that's just what I've been doing. And then I also am a nerd about ultra running because I've done that. And also I've made a lot of friends and ultra running is just a very inclusive community. And then now I'm learning about this whole other, like it can be sub ultra, but like a lot of them are still ultras just, but like these like completely gnarly trails that are a lot of hiking, but also you need to translate to be able to run down these jagged cliffs. And it's, it's incredible. And so I find myself when I'm interviewing these runners who are my teammates that like, I'm just like, wait, how do you do this? How, how do you run on that? Like, I like that, that doesn't really look runnable. Like it's a, you know, and so it's, it's been really cool and fascinating to, find out how they do it. And that's why I'm like, it's a lot of confidence. Like just, you got to just try it and not think that you're going to fall because if you do, that's when you're like little steps start and the more steps, the more chance you're going to fall. So, um, yeah, that's red new. It's a community. Yeah. That, that culture sounds amazing up there and everything that like you just encompassed right there is just absolutely awesome. Uh, obviously the trails collective is trying to bring all of that together as well. Uh, you play a massive role in that we've touched on a little bit, but, uh, let's do a deep dive into what the trail trails collective is, um, who you're interviewing for these interviews and, uh, where can people find the trails collective at? So the trails collective is on Facebook and it's on Instagram at the underscore trails underscore collective and on Twitter at trails C. So it's a trail running resource and company. And we, our goal is to bring, um, bring information to current trail runners and new trail runners about East coast trails and opportunities, uh, could be for trail work, for races, for, uh, volunteering, for just group runs, um, for where trails are, uh, and also connecting each other with, um, partners or uh, just opportunity. So the Trails Collective right now is, it's a website and, uh, we were, so I am a part of the media side. So I am a part of the news show and what we were going to do was Ian and I were going to record together about races that had happened, races that are happening and just other cool news in the area. Well, thing, a wrench got thrown in our plans. So now we (laughs) record remotely and my job has become the media section. So I talk about different podcasts, YouTube videos, um, and just other media that just like focuses on the Northeast coast. And, uh, then there's Ian also does gear reviews. 
Um, one of um, my teammates, Matt Lipsy, he does some uh, like running video. Like he's one of the mountain goats that can just, he's so fast. Um, but he does sub ultra distances. Like he's never done anything over a marathon. And um, he will do like trail running videos that are more funny. He's hilarious. And then Aaron Stredney, he does like trail trivia, I think on Instagram and on Facebook. So it's a lot of media and it's really fun and we're getting a lot of good feedback. And then, oh, I also do uh, the Trails Collective interview series. So that started as Ian asked me to email and um, contact Northeast Coast Elites uh, and get like a soundbite or have them film themselves running or like what's going on with you. It was supposed to be like one or two minutes or like max five minutes. But I found that it was a lot easier for me to schedule a time to talk to them for a half an hour, or now it's like an hour than to get them to film themselves. (laughs) So that's what ended up happening. And then I ended up loving it because that's my favorite kind of media. That's my favorite kind of podcast. And so now I just schedule interviews with these amazing runners on the East coast. And I talk to them for half an hour, hour, and then I edit them and I publish them on our YouTube channel. And I mean, it's nothing, uh, the edits aren't crazy great. I'm still learning, but the information is out there. And if it's, it's fun and I've learned so much. And so some of them are my teammates. Others are just people that, uh, are doing something cool. Like one guy, he makes cookies for all the, he's an ultra runner. And then he also makes cookies for like a lot of the events in Massachusetts, like the end of the events. And uh, he was doing a program where he uh, donates one cookie if somebody buys a cookie to essential workers, which was cool. So I interviewed him. Um, I interviewed one of the podcast hosts for the Cultra Trail and Ultra podcast out of Connecticut. Um, I also have interviewed two, like basically doctored sports, like psychiatrists physical therapists, like people like that. And those two guys, I talked to them because I'm a huge nerd. So I talked to them for like an hour each and it was amazing. And I wish I could have kept going, like turn off the video, like just please educate me. Like it was great. And I love that kind of thing. Um, another, I've, I've done a couple women. Um, I'm trying to alternate like uh, female, male each week. And so one of them is like an elite runner from Sarah Kai's from the um, New York, who she does a lot of like international races. She's actually sponsored. Like this is her full-time thing. And then another woman who's won a couple of races outright. So that was fun to talk to her. Like, what was your experience? Like, um, so that, yeah, that's just fun. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to do that. And I say that, like this pandemic has kind of opened up this opportunity for me because I was only working part time. So I was able to just do all this stuff on the fly because I had a lot more time. And now I'm going back to more of a full time ish schedule. So but I've learned how to manage my time and where I can get like that half an hour hour of like, maybe I'll edit a little bit here or like, schedule this interview for here. And so I'm hoping to continue to keep doing this forward. Um, it's just not going to be like the first week I did like eight interviews. It's going to be like one per week. So, um, yeah, but the trust collective is great and it's only going to keep getting better. Like Ian's editing keeps getting better. So, I mean, even if I flub it up majorly, he can usually fix it. So it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. If you guys need something else to watch, make sure you go check out the trust collective at YouTube and on Facebook and all those other places. 
Um, I'll switch gears a little bit. I know we talked about this briefly earlier, um, but you're a big book nerd, right? Running I books. Am. Yes. So I also love running books. Um, so let's let's go over like some of your favorites. Maybe some of them have been the most impactful in your running career, and and maybe like share some thoughts on those different books. Sure. So um, I have to say, my favorite fiction running book is Once a Runner. Um, have you read that book Mm-mm. by John Parker? So it's about a guy training actually for fast stuff, like the mile or the, I don't remember. I need to reread it. It's great. Um, and it basically just takes, the whole book is just his life training for this one event. And I remember the first time I read it was when I was training for the Buffalo Marathon. And he describes perfectly exactly what I was feeling at that point where I was just so depleted, but also like in pursuit of this goal that was so, that was important, but also like in the grand scheme of things wasn't important, but it was important to me. And also I was, you're in the thick of training, so you're tired and you're extremely emotional about a lot of things, but you're not really emotional in relationships. It's a very strange dichotomy. And he explained it extremely well. And so I was like, oh, I'm not the only person that's gone through this. Like, okay. And, you know, you get out of it. But in that in the moment, you're like, I'm just not even a person anymore. Like, this is just how it is. So that was great. Um, Born to Run is always like classic. Um, I am not a barefoot runner, but, and I don't, think I ever will be, but it was a great, it's a great story. And I always love that. Um, like you, I think you mentioned Scott Jerk's book, Eat and Run, and then um, North, those are both great. So I, and I recently just like borrowed like four books from Ian at the running store. He has like a library and cause I needed stuff to read during this time. And so I just read a book about like the two hour marathon that was written actually like about five years ago before the two hour Nike project happened. And it was just a very interesting about the physiology because a lot of the runners in that book were like, yeah, it could probably happen. And it was, it was these, the uh, African runners and they were like, yeah, I bet it could probably happen. And it was like interesting and just their unwavering belief in themselves. Like he's like, well, if not me, then probably like my brother, Joe over there, you know, like it's just, that was really interesting. And that also brought in some science and, but I'm, I'm a sucker for anything. Dina Castor's book, let your mind run. That is a hundred percent. Like if you need to any belief that the mental side of running is 99% read that book. And uh, yeah, I could just read anything. It's just, uh, but I could do that with, it's not just running books. Like all I will read anything. Like right now I'm reading, like, I call it like, it's a like book junk food. It's like beach reads. Like I'll read those too. I'll read, I read like the founding of Cliff Bar. I don't even like just anything. I just, I'd rather read than watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of North because I don't know. I thought that was really creative the way that they tacked the chapters and changed perspectives. So you got to see that whole book from Scott's perspective and what he was going through. But then also how his wife Jenny was like dealing with all of the issues and, and all of the weird situations that she went through driving alongside of the AT for the whole time and whatnot. So like I thought that was a really creative way. And then, you know, you look at like some of Dean's books and, and him really catapulting a lot of ultra running into a lot more people's minds. Um, is there a particular book that you've like that you would have to like say that everyone needs to read? If it was a running book. Hmm. That's a good question. 
You know, I, not really. I mean, the one I mentioned once a runner is just great for understanding a lot of psychology and how things were uh, there. It's a little bit like, like, I don't know, like it's a little bit outdated obviously because like, like high schoolers are training like crazy right now. But um, it's just, it was a really, it was just a very, a well-written book too. Um, But you know, whatever your gateway drug is like, it's just like all running is just, especially to me, all running in biography or just, you know, it's all just inspiring in its own way. Like who hasn't read like Dean Carnass, a Dean Carnass's book and been like, wow, he actually did that. And then, you know, I, I think that right now, because like, there's so much social media, like back then when I first read it, like there wasn't. So like, for example, we referenced like Zach Bitter ran a hundred miles out of treadmill yesterday. Like, nobody would know about it. And so he like, imagine if like, instead of that, he wrote a book about it, like I'd be all over that. (laughs) So um, no, I don't really I mean, anything that really like just, it can be like, no, I mean, my introduction into like running and long distances was like finding ultra by rich roll. And that was about like a triathlon. Um, So no, I don't really think anything there's no like singular book, but you could take anything away from any of these books that these people write. Yeah. They're all like super highly motivational. It's like, I remember some of them, I started, what was it? The most recent Dean book, the history of like running and Greece and whatnot. And he talks about oh, like, yeah, like Spartathlon. Yeah. And so like, I started reading that one and I was like a couple pages into it or something. And I started getting like actually into it. And I was like, all right, I'm getting the audible version and I'm going for a run. And like went out the door and put the audible version on and listened to it instead of like sitting down and reading it. Cause I was like, I gotta go run now. Yeah. I, I just watched his like 50 marathons and 50 days and 50 days, like documentary that came out on YouTube. And I remember just watching it and I was in, so the first month of coronavirus, I was in like the slump. I called myself like the bag of pudding. Like that's just how I felt. And I remember watching it and just like, who cares how fast you go? Like he was running, like you think he's very fast and he was running like 10 minute mile pace just to include people in these runs. And I was like, it just reminded me again of like, this is about community. This is about like coming together. This is about doing something that's meaningful to you, but then also helps other people. And I mean, it might not uh, connecting you to other people and it might not feel like that all the time, but you are having like some sort of like small impact on something and you never know what like how that's going to like make you feel better later or like benefit somebody else and so um yeah no dean is he's so just yeah it's everybody needs to read a dean book i highly i highly agree yeah that's awesome i mean obviously books are awesome in the community and whatnot we've got a couple more random uh questions to finish up here uh kind of just random quick fire questions. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but what's one place if you just stop at an aid station uh, mid run, where would it be? Oh God. <laughs> well, at home it's the Burger King because those people are giving me free Coke and it's great. Um, but if I, Oh man, like my dream aid station. 
Okay. So I, not to be biased, but I work for a great company and like, and they would do this for me too. Like I will sometimes stop in to like a location and they know me. So like if I needed something, they would get it for me. Uh, I work for college town bagels, like I mentioned, and that company, if I like, if that was my aid station, I could run forever. So yeah, that's, it's great. And they also do supply like aid stations and all of Ian's races ever, like the coffee and bagels and all that stuff is from Ithaca bakery. Like I, like last year at Kiwi trails, I was the one to get coffee and bagels at four in the morning. The bakery isn't open yet, except for it's like me and my boss and the bakers. And we're all like, it's like, Oh, I didn't know you were coming to get this Ellie. I was like, yeah, you know, he's like, you running the race too. I was like, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, dream aid station would be the CTB aid station. Awesome. One follow-up question kind of on that. What's one thing that you can't leave an actual aid station without? Um, full water bottles. <laughs> and at the end, if it's a colder race soup, like I definitely, especially at JFK, that's like my favorite food that they have. It's just soup. Uh, and usually I leave with a handful of like potato chips. Um, but to be completely honest, I, during my, uh, 50 K's and below, like I don't eat tons. So, uh, just on my brief experience at 50 K's when they're chillier soup, when they are hotter, and it's later in the race, watermelon or um, Mountain Dew at mile 40. i got to say that's good. Uh, yeah. But nothing – I'm very lucky that I'm not – I have a very uh, uh, seasoned gut. Maybe it's all the expired food that I eat. But normally I can stomach most things. And so I just go with like whatever sounds good. I will just take it. And just in case, like take a little more. You never know. But what full is your, water bottles, hundred percent, always that. Yeah, that's that's very important. <laughs> Do you have any pre-race rituals? Um, no, actually, I don't. I'll. I have never had the same race breakfast. Well, actually, I have two times, and it was before Hartford and before JFK. Uh, I ate picky oats, but I don't actually. I don't mind driving to races. That's the only time I like driving is because I just sort of get into a flow zone. But also, like, I've had races where I wake up and I just roll out of bed and go to the start line. So um, I don't have any um, race rituals. Um, I try to keep things comfortable. Like, I'm not going to throw anything new at myself on purpose. But I try to give myself enough time to, like, have to make sure I get there and, feet and get everything and make sure that I'm settled. But um, no, no, no race rituals. I don't have a pre-race dinner. I don't have a, no. What about post-race? Do you have a favorite post-race meal? Uh, no, I, I know. I wish I had a good, like, because if you've seen my Instagram, if you like have watched my story, I love food. It's great. Like, and, but I don't have anything like post, like I'm never thinking about like my post race, like, Oh, I'll get to then get finished. And then you can have this because I don't restrict myself in my daily life. So, um, and then also usually at the end of the race, I've tried to fuel during the race. So I'm not like starving at the end. I feel like if I was starving, that means that I didn't eat enough during the race. And then also usually after the race, all I want to do is just sit and lay. And so I remember like after JFK, 
the female winner, Cecilia and I were just like sitting at a table, just like, I think we had water, but like, I wasn't like, I mean, if something was like given to me, I would have eaten it, but I wasn't like, I don't dream of my post-race meal while I'm racing or, I mean, so usually like it takes me like a couple days and then I'll have like, if I ate a lot of sugar during the race, it'll be like salty food all day or, but if I eat a lot of salty food, like, so I don't have a epic post-race meal. I'm sorry. But at many on the Jenny, maybe this is why I go back. They have garbage plates, which if you're from, do you know what a garbage plate is? Do not. So this is a Rochester, upstate New York thing. So basically um, it's two like either hot dogs or hamburger patties and then macaroni salad, potato salad, like French fries or tater tots, uh, coleslaw, and then like maybe some like and like some bean gravy. It's basically like what it, it like it sounds like garbage. And I don't I'm not a huge like meat eater. I was vegan for a while and now I like occasionally do fish, but I'm not huge with meats, but they have like a veggie option. And so after money on the Jenny garbage plates, I know they're always going to be there. So I'll eat those. But um, yeah, no epic post-race meal, but I think it might just be, I enjoy the garbage plates because I just love many on the Jenny so much. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely, yeah, that's one race I actually had trickled down in my calendar uh, in the future as well. I've heard really good things about that race. Uh, if you could it's run, with, if you could run with one person in history, who would it be and why? Oh man. You know, it would really be cool to, um, cause I'm a big history person. I, and I've always enjoyed just listening to her speak is Anne Trayson. She's just the queen and, um, she's a great voice too. I could listen to it all day. I know she's definitely got some stories and that's one of the reasons I love born to run is like the Anne parts, <laughs> like, because she's like, no, damn it. I will like compete and maybe win this race. And they called her the Bruja, like the witch. I mean, that's great. Like how would like, I mean, sure. Gazelle is a great like internet name, but like the witch, come on. <laughs> like, you are the queen. So I think Anne Trayson would be awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we we want to give you a, we want to give you a huge thank you for joining the show tonight. Uh, it was absolutely awesome. Uh, for people that want to follow you on social media, you kind of just gave your handle out, but where can people find you on social media? Oh, sure. Um, I am at Gazelli on Instagram and Twitter. So G A Z Z E L L I E. Uh, that's where I do most of my tweeting and Instagramming, but I'm also, um, behind hamstrings and heartstrings, which is the podcast. Um, Chris, my co-podcaster, Chris and I do. So we're on Instagram at hamstrings and heartstrings. Um, the trails collective, uh, I mostly do the Twitter and I'm trying to post on Instagram, but I am, I've only got two up there. We're, it's a work in progress. Um, mostly Twitter. And I do like, it's called a 45 second trail snack on, um, the trails collective. Um, but yeah, just follow at Gazelli and I shout out those things enough that you'll find the other ones too. Awesome. We'll put, uh, as always, we'll put the, those in the description of this video so everyone can have easy access to those. Uh, this was an absolute blast. I know that I will need to check out the New York uh, trail scene very soon. I'm kind of shocked I haven't got up there already, but I definitely, yeah, please do. I'm moving in two weeks to like the top half of a whole house. And so now I have this vision of like, I can host a runner now. Like this is cool. So, uh, definitely when you come, like, let me know. I've wanted to actually, cause Ian, 
hosting the Kiwi Trails 50, when it was the trail championship, we would get like, he would try to like bring elite runners in. And I always was like, it would be so cool if I could host this person. Well, now I can when social distancing is over. Yes, I may have to take you up on that. Uh, if you just found us, as always, uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Helps out the show. Uh, thank you again, Ellie, for joining us. We have to do this again in the future sometime. Yeah, definitely. And I, I need to get you guys on the Trails Collective. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, we would uh, love to come on whenever. So awesome. Thanks. Thanks.